0: are you going to teach us anything? What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right, you got it! Hello and welcome to Atomy Brainwaves. I'm your host Simon and I'm joined today by Sue. Hello Sue. Hi Simon. Happy to have you back.
1: Thank you, happy to be back.
0: We are recording here in the studio at Atomy HQ. Atomy is an online resource for second level education a platform used by students and teachers alike to help make education awesome and engaging. We provide content for schools and students in Australia and the UK in the form of short, digestible, syllabus-specific videos and classroom activities. Unsurprisingly, then, this is a podcast about education for educators, where we take a look at some key issues in the world of education. Today, we're doing that with the help of our resident teaching expert, former head of English, digital learning leader for curriculum and pedagogy, and director of curriculum, Sue on the menu for today is homework. 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 Oh, homework. I hate you. You stink. What (laughs) a poem.
1: Said every student. (laughs) No, that's a poem. (laughs) That
0: was my favorite poem from primary school. It was always a joy to read. Uh Um, No, I don't quite hate homework that much. But anyway, let's start off by unpacking what exactly the purpose of homework is. I think it's sort of something that's It's accepted as part of the furniture Mm -hmm. in the education world, but I think it's worth right off the top, you know, looking at what the point of homework is.
1: Well, there's several points. Okay, Um, the points (laughs) of homework then, my apologies. (laughs) Helps you get better at your grammar. Yes. (laughs) Um, I think mainly it's to foster self-discipline within students. So they, you know, obviously they, they do work when they're guided by the teacher in class. Um, but there's not enough, you know, time in the day essentially to cover everything that we have to. And so taking it outside of the classroom and having time at home, um, gives them that discipline that they need. And they're going to need it when they finish school into their jobs and into their careers, um, into university if they go there. So it's helping to essentially set that skill early on in life. Um, it's also, I think, a great asset to, um, any individual to be able to have like, external study um, and be able to prepare it in that way. It's like a transferable skill. It can be used in homework, it can be used when you got to <clears throat> practice the piano, practice um, sport, anything. You know, most things require some time external to the actual class
0: to yeah, do. Yeah, I suppose. It's mm. kind of reinforcing what you did with whoever your teacher is and, and you covered other different fields, sports, music, whatever. Yeah, But, yeah, so it's, I guess, yeah, the value Several points of value there, as you hopefully <laughs> pointed out. Um, let's explore homework in its traditional format. And by that, I mean the homework that I guess, you know, you and I would be used to maybe from our days in school of this idea of, you know, do questions one to 10 in your mm-hmm. textbook, and then it's corrected the next day in class. What are the intended outcomes of this style of homework? And where does it fall on the value spectrum?
1: Well I think that style of homework is mainly for consolidation. So you've done something in class, you're learning um you, you're trying to extend that learning, take it into not just surface learning, a bit more deep learning. So you're taking it outside the classroom and consolidating it at home. That type of homework I think um lends itself to certain subjects over others. Um and I think it's a homework that sort of it's almost like roped homework, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um and I think that is getting less Well used now. Um, I think certain subjects like maths perhaps are still doing that quite regularly. Um, But I know from the English classroom, I wouldn't sort of be setting, here's chapter one, here's 10 questions on it, just do that at home tonight. Um, So I think it's kind of falling away, um, that very traditional style of homework and other things are coming into the forefront. But that purpose is consolidation.
0: Yeah, and on on the subject of those other things coming into the mix – I wanted to see if we could explore a couple of, I guess, new or innovative homework techniques, the formats they take, their intended goals, the Mm -hmm. value they bring versus the more traditional style. So if you could, could you walk us through a couple of of new techniques that you yourself come across, maybe in the classroom, um, that move away from the more traditional style?
1: Yeah, so a couple. Um, homework Where you're taking homework into more of a flipped sort of pedagogy, Um, your homework is isn't actually homework, then your homework is preparation. So with um, flipped learning, the homework that's done at home is before the lesson and you're preparing the content. So um, either through a teacher um, setting a task or a teacher video or a a content video, something like that, um, students are preparing at home, hence homework, but it's not after the fact, it's before the fact. And then they're coming into class and doing um, application in the lesson then that sort of follows on. You you could, I guess, set homework from that um, to consolidate what you did in class. But often um if you've had the class time and you've covered everything that you need to, the next homework becomes preparation for the next lesson. So homework is very much flipped, and that's the idea of the flipped um, pedagogy. But other homework that isn't just what you talked about, you know, read you know, questions one to 10. Questions one to 10. Um, other homework that I've seen really well, um, experiences where it's more project based. So it's not, it's sort of an ongoing thing that a student is working on at home and their actual time at home is to continue with, you know, so it's sort of very self-disciplined, continue with whatever it is that you are doing over that time, over that time period at home. Um, And then that's brought back into the classroom. So it's not necessarily day in, day out. It's more of a a longer directed project. And I think that's a nice way of, um, bringing some different kind of activities into home. I saw a nice one. uh, My mum tutors and one of the kids that she tutored had a lovely homework, um, working out the distances between five capital cities. Um, you know, so something quite nice and different, but still very, um, you know, using geography, using maths, using um yeah, a range of skills. Google Maps. Google probably Maps, possibly. On that. Um yeah, but I mean that's a great tool. It and it brings is. it to life. Um and something like that is a it's still I guess looking at probably the skills of the um, answers question one to ten, but in a much more inquiry, curiosity kind of way. So they're the sort of homeworks that I think are great. One
0: sort of just something that comes to mind for me that I guess is a sort of a tangential debate with regards to this idea of flipped mm-hmm. learning where it's more project based um I guess is this idea of student agency mm. and the question of of the benefits of this project style homework come with the cost or the risk that giving a student too much agency, you know, the, the potential problem of a student, you know, just throwing up their hands and saying, I can't do this or I haven't been told how to do this. And, you know, you're putting too much on me. Yeah. So do, I guess from that kind of benefit cost perspective, do you, how much of a risk do you think that is of, of putting this kind of project based learning on the student and saying, you do this? Is that too risky in a lot of cases? Is it an age thing maybe where older students, it suits better? Where do you fall?
1: Um, I think it's, uh, it it is in some ways an age thing, but that doesn't mean that the younger you are, you shouldn't do it. It just means that the younger you are, the more scaffolded things are usually taken. Yeah. Um, so if you are, you know, in primary school and you've got something that you're working on at home, like I would have done those things. I remember making like a book on Austria, um, that I just kept working on at home. Beautiful um, country. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that I remember it was in you know, like a, an old sort of scrapbook and I printed off Im- images of it. Actually, no, I think I cut them out of, um, out of travel brochures then that I got from the, um, fl- you know, the travel agents. Cause I don't think we had internet and printers. <laughs> um, that's okay. But... We don't need to say the exact year. <laughs> um, but I remember working on that quite a lot. And then we all handed them in and you know, that sort of stuff. So, but it was very scaffolded. You know, it's like, you're going to do this this week and explore this. Um, when you're, and more into that sort of rhythm and you've got those skills there, like you can grow agency. And so I think that some of these things are more important to start at a younger age and that's why a lot of schools are going down the inquiry learning route in primary because if you can foster skills in inquiry learning when kids are young, then they don't get into the high school and just expect to be told everything. You know, they're they're curious and it keeps their curiosity going and that's just the same with homework. You know, so if you foster it younger, younger, you know, in the younger years, and then bring that into the senior years, but increase the level of agency as you go, you should hopefully get to sort of by the time they do major works in year twelve, um, which is you know like a major work is generally worked on outside of class time. You touch base in class time, but there's so much of a major work that you have to do externally, um, that that's. You know, you need to have a great sense of agency and a lot of uh, ability to structure your own time when you're doing a major work.
0: Yeah, and it really makes sense, this idea of almost feeding the rope of agency to a student as they go. I mean, obviously a five-year-old is is only going to be able to do so much. But if you start that process then of giving them as much freedom as they can manage at that point, you can build as you go so that by the time they do get to the Mm. end of the road, year 12, you know, not, not only have they developed their content skills and, and their knowledge base, but also their ability to go out and, and work on things themselves has been growing all the while. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And their ability to have faith in themselves, I guess, that, like, that level of agency, knowing that, you know, um, this might be tough or this might be hard, but I can, I can plan my way through it. Um, I've done it before. This might be a bit harder than last time, but I can do it. And that sort of sense of resilience and self-worth, I guess.
0: Yeah, it stands yeah. to reason. So I guess we've talked about the the benefits and the the style that a flipped learning um, homework model might take outside of the classroom. But obviously, that's going to have a lot of knock-on implications for the classroom dynamic, what's happening in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I wondered if you could, kind of following on from those techniques, talk us through what a classroom looks like once you've moved away from that homework model and it's more you know, the content is being done outside of the classroom, what does that mean for what's happening in the classroom then?
1: Yeah, so that's, that is quite difficult to get to um, because you've got to get some real um, rules and regulations, I guess, about doing the work externally. So when you do homework in the traditional sense where you've done the work in class, content's been um, delivered in class, maybe a little bit of time for application, and then you take most of the application outside of the classroom and they do it at home. One of the problems in that is that they can get quite stuck when they're doing the application and obviously you're not on hand to um, help and explore that with them. So when you're trying to flip, you take the content delivery, which is in some ways, the, I guess, the easiest part of the lesson because they're receiving knowledge, essentially. Um, so you take that at external, you do that at home. But then you need to know, you need to trust your class that all of them have done it or else they're going to have huge gaps in their content knowledge. So to set that up, you've got to have, like I said, very sort of strict rules and regulations and come down hard at the initial onset of a flipped learning module. That if they don't do that, they are, there are some serious consequences or else you're going to have students who are moving forward and excelling and students who've never ever covered the content. And obviously we know. Um, we've all got syllabuses, you've got to cover the content. So if you can set up um, things like bringing in entrance cards to class, um, making them do notes on, say, Cornell notes so that you can see what they have learned at home and then you've got that physical evidence that they've done it or setting a sort of online self-marked quiz that they can do before they come into class. And again, it doesn't mean they have to pass everything It just means that you need to know that they've attempted it. They're engaging with it. Yeah, they're engaging with it. So they have sort of received the content. And then in class, you're there to help the different groups. Um, And if you've done something like an online quiz, that's really powerful because you can get that kind of formative assessment. So you can see which kids are really excelling in the content and you can um, give them something else, harder application questions, for example. Like say you've got – let's take the typical questions one to ten – You might start that group of kids at question four, you know, because one, two, three, they've covered, you know, they're fine with the content. It's very simple. It's just recall questions or something. And that's been done on the online quiz. So in the lesson, they might be doing something which much harder application, put them together as a group, self-learning, you know, learning from each other is very powerful. You might then work with the students who say got two out of five in the formative quiz, and then make a small group of those, you're really helping them to do the application, the things that they would get stuck on at home. They can ask you questions about the content, but it's you're there for them. So you're there for essentially the old traditional homework time in the classroom. It, it, just on that, is
0: there any risk? Now, I, this is touching on a, a different debate altogether about how you determine classes and levels and all the rest. And I do appreciate that, in a classroom where content is just being deliveried, or deliveried, delivered, delivered, <laughs> delivered, um, apologies, uh, that obviously has all of its own problems as well of forcing everybody to the to the mean in a way and holding you know students back and also students getting left behind. But is there a risk under what you're talking about where you say you know the students who are who are excelling going faster, starting on question four, mm-hmm. um, and then other students who aren't having to go back to question one? Is there a risk of over time? A bit of a gap opening up there and you almost find yourself with a few different classes within a classroom. And is that even necessarily a bad thing? I suppose it's, it's a difficult, yeah. it's a two-parter. But yeah. first of all, yeah, is, is that a risk? And second of all, if it does happen, would you say that's necessarily a bad thing or not?
1: I think you've got that whether you identify it or not. Yeah, I suppose. So you've always got that with every single class. I think the difference with a flipped model is that that's more um, obvious if you're at the front just delivering content, um, you have got no idea if somebody's like, if, you know, if you don't do a pre-test or you're just delivering content, um, you've got no idea if, you know, five kids are just like, oh, yeah, I know this, I remember this from last year. Like teaching a metaphor, for example, you wouldn't believe how many times I've taught what a metaphor is to every grade going and you'd think that by year 11 advanced English, a kid would know what a metaphor is, yes? <laughs> well,
0: you know, it's not the easiest concept. And what am I saying? You no, know, seriously. You would, you would imagine at that stage. Um, the
1: they start learning what similes and metaphors are in primary school, yeah. in year three I think it is. Um, I've actually told my son what metaphors are already, so he's going to be fine. <laughs> Head of the game. Head of the game. Um, but, yeah, when you get to year 11 advanced, you are always going to have to revise literary terms and metaphor is one of those ones that always comes up. Now, if you do a lesson on literary terms and you're doing a segment on similes and metaphors, et cetera, um, you're going to have some people in that class who do remember it, some who don't remember it at all, and some who just need a little reminder, yeah? Now, if you've done, a say, a flipped video um, and they have done a, a revision on literary terms before you get into the lesson, then most of those kind of you know, just just quickly work through that. They don't have to sort of sit through your 20-minute explanation of if those terms, for example. If you do that, then um, they can just get on with whatever it is at the level that they need to or maybe set them, you know, come up with a more complex metaphor or maybe look at this passage where there is extended metaphors. Can you write me 500 words of an extended metaphor? You know, that kind of thing. You are growing those because they're more obvious to you but you're going to have them in your class anyway, whether you've made it obvious. You know, you're going to have those kids who know what you're on about, those in the middle and those who are struggling. With flipped, it just means that those groups, I guess, are more easily identifiable. And yeah. so I don't think that's a bad thing because they're there anyway. It's just that you can actually plug the gaps where you need it.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's it really. you can. Those gaps are going to be there. Yeah. But in the flip model, the the teacher is actually able to make more of a difference, right? They're able to yeah. go up to the groups. They're able to see exactly where those divides are and whereas if it's just the sage on the stage idea yeah. where the teacher is just talking it's so much harder isn't it to see who's yes well sometimes it might be obvious if somebody's asleep at the back of the class yeah. for instance but, <laughs> but a lot also, of the time it can be very how
1: hard how you were, you know addressing the kid who is asleep at the back of the class is at the expense almost of the other kids who are trying to listen yeah you know so um, if you've got that sort of method where they've, you know, obviously we're talking about perfect world here where everybody, you know, you've got a class of 28, every single kid watched the video at home. They've all come in with their notes, entrance card, whatever. Um, so perfect world. Um, but that kid who has struggled, who has switched off early on, um, you can then work with them, you know. And it's not at the expense of all the other groups, but it does mean that you touch base with them. And I think that more individual attention should then bring them closer to it next time and then closer to it next time. Yeah, you know, So rather than just losing them all the time with kind of like, oh, she's off again, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's much more engaging for them, I guess.
0: Yeah. And, um, and I guess that kind of ties into my next question a little bit because you've touched a little bit on the idea that resources can play here, mm-hmm. um, in a flipped homework model, but I wanted to explore that a little more and talk about because obviously it involves a new set of resources, well, potentially involves a new set of resources to get this content delivery yep. outside of the classroom. So I wanted to explore a little bit what the ideal resource might look like that is being used in a flipped homework model.
1: Yeah, okay. So there's, like there's at its very base level, it's telling, so with English, telling a child to read Chapter 3 before they come into class. You know, that's still flipped because they've still got to do the work externally, ready for in, in class. Um, More sophisticated would be to um, make sort of teacher videos. Um, So often a lot of LMSs now have got a sort of internal recording function so you can take your content delivery and sort of record yourself doing it. Huge um, onus on the teacher there to do that and that um, in of itself is kind of a huge time-consuming thing. Um, One of the other aspects is to buy in content Um, So like we're using a company like Atomy um, to bring content in for you. Um, Specifically, obviously, our content's written to syllabus dot points for 11 and 12. So that's great for your year 11, 12 courses. Um, And then you know that that's covering exactly what it needs to for the syllabus. Um, Somebody else has spent the time and the effort and the energy making a very engaging video. And then you are building from that in the classroom. And then that way, you're not there slowly slugging through all the content yeah. yourself that sort of thing other aspects using youtube you know there's um there's like say for example i wanted to um annotate one of john Donne's poems i bet you i could find that on youtube and set someone that to do oh, for sure you
0: can find everything on youtube you can
1: find me annotating john dunn's poetry oh, on oh. youtube i didn't know that <laughs> oh that's... yeah oh my god oh, oh, my i know little... what
0: i'll be doing after this <laughs> Podcast,
1: <laughs> all nine of John Donne's poetry for HSC. <laughs> yep, <laughs> fair play. A serious undertaking.
0: Um,
1: but you know, you put that in. So I would spend before I flipped my John Donne poetry module, I would spend maybe thirty minutes of a lesson going through a poem, which was great in some ways because it's interactive. You know, they would be able to ask me questions, but really they're listening and copying. So if I put that in too before preparation and they come with the poem annotated, which is a great way to see whether they've done their homework.
0: Right. If you haven't
1: got an annotated poem, you haven't done your homework. Um, then you come into class and then we deconstruct it and brainstorm all the questions and everything they didn't understand. That's what we do. But they're not spending those 30 minutes copying that and they've already done it, you know. So YouTube's good. Khan Academy for science and maths, I guess. Lower down the grades. So there's different ways that you can, I guess, curate your lessons, into the flipped model. Um, but then it does leave some teachers a bit scared of what to do during the class if you're not delivering the content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's just think, what would I have set them for homework? That's what you're doing in the class.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And and what's kind of quite refreshing to hear there is that there's such a broad range of resources that can be used. It's not, you know, sometimes people will hear something like a flipped homework or whatever and think, you know, what is that? How What yeah. do I use for that? But like even... The idea of telling someone to read a chapter. That that that's yeah. been done oh, yeah. since time immemorial, yeah. you know what I mean? So it, it's it's something that's already underway in so many ways. Yeah. And you know, you do have this whole range of resources that can be used yeah, depending yeah. on what's being asked. Yeah. Um you mentioned there a little bit about, you know, teachers balking at the idea of of what they do in the class. And I guess that brings me to my the last idea I want to cover, which is zooming out of the classroom such a big part whenever you talk about anything slightly new in education is the idea of the cell and mm-hmm. trying to get, I guess, first of all, schools and teachers on board. And then second of all, the other major player, being, well, obviously students, but the other major player being the parents. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to ask, if wh- what do you think the right way to go about selling this to teachers is? If you wanted to to sell teachers in a flipped model of homework and yeah. then parents, how do you think is the best way to do that to ensure that they'll get on board and support yeah. through the kind of initial phases of getting to grips?
1: Yeah. Um, I When I'm sort of rolling out any sort of change in schools, um, which I've done in a couple of places, it's I think it's always really good to do baby steps. So um, I think some changes don't work because they're school-wide. They're almost too big to grapple with. Um, so f- I would probably start with Year 7. Um, and explain, you know, if if, if the school has decided um, or even a department because it doesn't need to be at the school level, it could be a department has decided for one term, you know, we've got loads of resources on trash, for example, um, a year seven novel. Um, we've got loads of resources on that. We're going to um, do a different way of learning for that that particular term with this grade. So, you, ex- you know, you build the program, you inform the parents as such, explain what that means, um, and then you start small and you sort of see how that impacts that the, that group of children, um, see what the teachers thought of it, then you might take that into science for term two or, you know, so it gradually kind of gets a bit of momentum. Um, or if it is school-wide, again, I would probably start with a grade or a stage, so seven and eight or just seven kind of lower stakes, I guess, if you start with that. You haven't, you've got some, obviously NAPLAN, but you haven't got, you know, building up to HSC or school leaving or anything. Um, and then essentially go for a launch, lots of education around why we're doing this model, Um, what we are hoping to d- to develop in your students by this um, and explain to parents what this will now look like. You know, they've got to be ready for class. And I guess one of the things there within a school to be wary of is that if everybody's trying to prepare for class I don't think you can really set a video per subject per night that's not really fair you know so you yeah. still have to perhaps structure homework days that are for these departments etc um you're not going to literally flip the content every single night because that would be impossible for a kid to keep up with um so some internal structures and then external structures see how that goes you got to review that review the year work out what you're going to do next time, bring it into year eight, nine, ten, you know, gradually roll it up, that sort of thing. Um, and then then you've rolled it out, but you've done it in a very carefully um, considered way.
0: Yeah. yeah. Preparation is key.
1: Yeah, and I think don't run before you can walk, you know. So very you true. don't want it to fail. So in order to <laughs> not let it fail, um, do, it, do it on a small scale first.
0: Awesome. Makes a lot of sense. So that is everything. For us, in terms of homework, before we go, we're yep. going to get Sue's hot tip for the week. So every week we ask Sue for just a little piece of advice for teachers or maybe a little story. It doesn't have to be that serious. It doesn't <laughs> even necessarily have to be about teaching at all. Sue, what is this week's hot tip?
1: Um, I, I think I'm going to do it on the content uh, in terms of flipping. I just encourage you to actually flip a lesson. You know, um, it doesn't need to be a whole year or a whole term or a whole unit or anything, but maybe look at a week and think, "Okay, I've got loads of things I could use for this. I'm gonna try something a bit different, um establish the rules with your class, of course, um but just have a go. It's not actually that frightening, um and just see what you think of it, and then you might you know in turn in time start doing more modules, test it out, have there a go. You go.
0: Flip it. Flip it. What are you doing? (laughs) Go off and flip it right now. Until you do, we're going to say thanks for tuning in, everybody, and hoping to have you back for wherever we land in the world of education. Next, in the meantime, check us out on our main site at getademy.com. It's goodbye from Sue. Bye. And goodbye from me. See ya.